This next episode of Love Your City podcast contains references to sex trafficking and sexual abuse and trauma and may have some triggering effects. To the Love Your City podcast, joined as always by Letitia Shelton. How are you doing, Letitia? We could just like do a recording of this because we say the same thing every time, and yet I mean it every time. You do, and um, I'm hope people feel welcomed. Well, I'm sure I hope <laughs> you I feel do. welcomed. I do. And I hope you know that it, it is good to be joined by you. It it is. Anyway, that's good. Yes. Hey, this interview, the, the third uh, interview in our four ser- four part series uh, of your interviews from DC at the National International no, Summit, the at Global, the global Summit. Summit. To end sexual exploitation. I'll get it right, hopefully, yes. by the fourth one. Anyway, I felt that uh, that Melissa Holland is like the the American version or the Reno version of Letitia Shelton. I just felt like you found like a sister after your own heart. We were um, speaking in the same session together, so we both heard okay. each other, and um, I thought, I want to interview her and oh. get to know her, and then we... Had a great time. I'm so impressed you kept it to 14 minutes and 15 <laughs> seconds. It felt like this could have this could have been an episode that just blew all the other episodes out of the water in terms of time. Uh, look, there's so much she's doing. She yeah. thinks big picture. She thinks city. And um, I just, of a lot of it, I was learning for the first time. Yeah. So um, it was exciting for me. Let's get right into it. Tisha's interview with Melissa Holland from Reno. Well, I want to welcome with me today Melissa Holland from the city of Reno in Nevada. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're both here at the um, Coalition to mm-hmm. End Sexual Exploitation because we're both passionate about this area and passionate about our cities too. I think that's what attracted yeah, me to you. It's absolutely <laughs> passionate about my city. Yeah, tell Definitely. us a little bit about Reno. Yeah, so Reno is this beautiful valley city um, tucked against Lake Tahoe. So Hmm. gorgeous mountains, beautiful scenery, um, some good tourism that likes to go for skiing or the the summer sports up at the lake as well. Uh, But it's also a gambling town and it's a town that's nestled in into a state that has legal prostitution. So it's a very complicated city as well. Hmm. And we're starting to to also get a lot of transition from California. The tech world's coming in. We've got good taxes for businesses, property, things like that. no income tax so we're starting to attract wow. a lot of diversity i bet so a lot's yeah, happening there a lot is happening uh, and in the midst of that you run something called awaken yes um, so did you start that yeah so yeah. i started awaken uh, myself and jen robinson uh 2009 i first started to really look at the issue of commercial sexual exploitation prostitution sex trafficking and uh, 2010 got my foot in the door and started working with the population as a therapist. Hmm. 2011, Jen and I organized a, a nonprofit um, called Awaken, and, okay. and now we're offering a whole multitude of services for women and children that want to exit the sex trade. Okay. Can you tell us what a few of those services are? Yeah, absolutely. We started with just clinical services. I was a, a therapist, and then we realized this thing: need, these, these women and children deserve so much more, and they need so much more to, to fully exit. And, and so people started hearing about us and they would ask, what, what can I do to help? And we didn't really know what 
they could do to help. So yeah. we would just ask, what do you do for a living? <laughs> and they would tell us. And we're like, great, could you ever do that pro bono if the need arises? And so we started a professional network. So the, the whole community gets to be a part of the solution to this. Yes. And so people can use their occupation and their job and their skill set to, to give in to, to helping women and children exit the, the sex trade and, and to become healthy again. Yeah. And a whole variety of, of professional services they have for that. And then um, that then grew to, we brought in a, another clinician because I needed to start going more organizationally, um, running what was growing as an organization. Then we got a volunteer coordinator. Then we got case managers. Mm -hmm. Then we got a drop-in center. Yep. And uh, last year, we were really blessed. A couple approached us and said, do you guys need a house? Yeah. We want to buy you a home. Wow. And, and this is what it looks like when a community steps in to provide the solutions in, in all the various ways they are capable of doing so. Yep. So in just January, we opened our first long-term two-year transitional home for adult women uh, trying to exit the sex trade. Okay, so can you tell us uh, some of the stories of those women? What, you know, uh, what do yeah. they look like or what are they going through? Yeah, so we, the, most of the women are local and, yeah, and coming out of um, horrendous trafficking stories. And then one has relocated to the house from an out-of-state situation of familial trafficking. Mm. And, and so we've seen really sad situations where the, the pimp had gotten her pregnant to create a, a lifelong bond so mm -hmm. that she would always return to him. We had seen him kidnap her. Um, we had seen other women chained to, to items in a house for long periods of time. Just the, the, the horrors that they have experienced, unfortunately, yeah. at the, the hands of prostitution. Yeah. Um, really, really sad situations, yes. And I mean, unbelievable um, to you know think mm -hmm. that this happens in the uh, mm -hmm. Western world in this yeah. day and age. You yeah. kind of hear those stories happening Absolutely. over in Asia somewhere, but um, they happen in Australia, they happen mm -hmm. in your city, mm -hmm. um, which is heartbreaking and great that there's somewhere where they can go. Yeah. Um, really good. Are you seeing you know, some good results um, from your interaction with women? We are, and, and it's pretty early on. We're five yeah. months into yeah. a two-year program, but we're actually really excited. This is, um, just to be fully transparent, we yes. were hoping we knew what we were doing, yep. but you never really know what you're doing. You never do. And there's no one else in the community modeling it for us. So, mm -hmm. so we're talking to around the, the country and the nation around what others are doing, but mm -hmm. We also had this sense that other than the therapy, there was something more experiential that they needed to, to be able to have, yeah. especially with trauma being so recent. And so we've incorporated some ideas um, that we've collected. And, and so we do equine therapy every week. Mm. Uh, one of our staff members yeah. actually has a ranch with her own horses. And, and she had worked with troubled teenagers and through her, her property and the horses. And, and that's just yeah. showing to provide some incredible results. Yeah. Um, of trust and, and it's everything you can experience without needing the the talk therapy that they're yeah. not ready to, to enter into yet yeah. um, and then we do rock climbing so yeah. we have uh, a lot of fun activities with yeah. like these um like the the bumper car kind of stuff yeah. just anything right. they want to do to stay yes. enjoying life yeah absolutely. and then integrate some other things in there as well yeah. but we're realizing through these opportunities they're healing yep and it's very intentional, but it's also a ton of fun. And yeah. they don't even have to know that they're healing in it. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I want to come. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and, and, and actually, with the, the funny thing, the house is beautiful. Yeah, great. And, and that was the one piece. They all came in, and they yeah. looked at this, and they thought, there's no way this is ours. Yeah. When does this end? And they are still there and thinking, oh, my gosh. And it's so And we All of our staff said, I want to move in. Yeah. We had the same experience, <laughs> and that's what we want. Yeah. We want people that want to be there. Yeah, yeah, that's great. 
Just to give um, our listeners some type of magnitude of the issue that you have in your state, Nevada, the f- yeah. it's the first state and the only state in America to legalise prostitution. Now, what type of a mess has that made? Yeah, so we're, we're 48 years into legalized prostitution. Um, it was legalized because Nevada started as male-driven societies. They were mining. And so these men would leave their families and, and come to search for gold or, or search for any type of uh, material that, that would bring wealth, right? And so these male societies decided, you know what? We, we have some desires we want to satisfy. And so they ended up bringing in prostitution. And then they ended up later legalizing it as part of the cultural significance that they felt um, they were entitled to. And, and now 48 years later, it has done what we always predicted it would do. It is driven us to become a sex tourism state. And so as sex tourism takes place, you have a lot of people coming to Nevada that expect to be able to just purchase sex wherever, wherever they want to go. Yeah. And so it's a playground for traffickers. Um, one survivor from a legal brothel once told me the pimps love to come to Nevada because the state has done half the work for them. Yeah. And so they get to come in to women that are raised to have already been groomed from the normalization of prostitution. And it's effortless for these guys to, to be able to recruit these young girls. Mm. And um, so we have the highest rates of an illegal sex trade than any other state in our country. And it is um, significantly higher. It's 63% higher than the next highest state. Mm. Uh, the, the youthfulness of those being trafficked continues to get younger and younger. And we've seen some advertisements that show the, the younger the person advertises the, as though it's their age being advertised on, for sex online, um, the higher the price point. So the traffickers okay. are going to make more money the younger the girls are. So there's no legislation around trafficking minors? There is, there is. but okay. it's pretty low risk for the traffickers because yeah. the successful prosecutions are hard to come by. Yeah. And so they know if you're trafficking drugs, it's a big risk to go to Nevada. But if you're trafficking girls, it's pretty low risk and a high reward. And so even the criminal enterprise, I've, I've done work in prisons and they all tell me this. Mm. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's very sad. Unbelievable, and and they're not the powers to be aren't looking at and and seeing you know what's happening to their state or their society or they don't. Slowly but surely, we're we're okay. seeing little incremental changes, and I think politics are usually incremental changes. Very. Yes. But yeah, we're beginning to see some shifts, little little bit at a time. Yeah, no, that's mm-hmm. good. Um, are you working? in the legal areas at all? Um, so we're, we're partnering with survivors and, and those yeah. that actually do want to have a voice and say, hey, what was done to me by your laws yeah. was wrong. And so there is a survivor that we're, we're offering, I mean, we're just kind of a, a support to her efforts to sue the state of Nevada. Yeah. And so the, there is a federal lawsuit against the state of Nevada because our state law violates the federal law in our country. So prostitution okay. is illegal at the federal level. Yep. Um, and so because the money is crossing state lines, the yep. advertisement, the recruitment, um, all of it, it's actually violating federal law. So, yeah. so she's, she's going to take it there and say, yeah. you actually are not allowed to have this law. That's it. Yeah. And I know in Australia right now, we have two of our states pushing to decriminalize um, mm. prostitution. And we've got um, a bunch of women on the ground trying to, that's yeah. the Northern Territory and South Australia. So, um, and yeah, this is why we don't want it in because it opens up a floodgate of whole other issues. Oh, it's it's so harmful to communities. It's harmful yeah. to men yes. too, and I don't know if we talk about that enough. No. I, I was a part of an international research team for the first time ever. I was in a, a really unique position to interview sex buyers and to be a part of a team interviewing men who purchase sex. And I say men because it's 99% men who, yes. who buy sex. Um, 
I got to, to see this from a very different lens and, and I saw the real harm that also is happening to them as repeat sex buyers. And unfortunately, any economic situation, such as prostitution, mm. the goal is to create repeat buyers. I mean, that's for any product, right? Yeah. And so you get these men that are repeat buyers and, and what it's doing to their brain, they believe, even though they're in a fantasy situation, the brain can't distinguish fantasy from reality. So they believe they're allowed to do whatever they want with zero sense of fear of rejection yeah. in this interaction. You know, yeah. it's an entire setup. And when they leave there, their brain sees that as all life. And so the harms that they're paying to incur on a woman, they're all leaving with the mindset of this is how we treat women. Yeah. And it's a duped process. And so yeah. to legalize that further gives them permission to not even think about it. And so it's really terrible in, the, in the just neuroscience alone around the mm. issue for the, the mindset of brain. So you're going to find increased sexual harassment, increased violence against women. Um, I mean, all kinds of harms Absolutely. that will happen at a community level yeah. as a result of the normalization of prostitution to a, to a state and a country. Yeah, and the other thing that shocked me that you said yesterday was um, that um, the sex industry is turning up schools and promoting it as a viable industry yeah. for girls. So, you know, when you frame it a job like any other, that yeah. they means they get permission to approach anything, a job like any other. So they're yeah. able to go into the high schools um, to promote this as a career for, for career day in the high schools. Uh, we have legal pimps, which are the brothel owners, as county commissioners. We had them run for state legislature. Uh, we had him as a track, once a tra volunteer track coach at a woman's high school for the girls' team. And mm -hmm. that's the owner of a strip club. And so you, when you normalize the sex trade, yeah. they get to enter into every area of our culture and society. Yeah, that's it. And would he be in that position trying to recruit girls at Absolutely. the same time? We yeah. have <laughs> girls that come to our drop-in center and they come in 18 years old and they say, hey, I think I'm going to go work in the strip club. And we're saying, you know what, why don't you talk to a woman who's done that and, yeah. and she'll let you know how, what her experience was like. Are you interested in, in meeting with her? And they say, no, my track coach was is the owner. I trust him. And he told me I'll always have a job. Yeah, that's it. And so that's the influence of a position yeah. of authority, which is meant to be a position of trust. Yeah. And that's um, what I hate about the sex industry. It's the only job our girls can just rock up to with mm -hmm. no experience no resume and they are guaranteed yep. a job and the less Walk experience the better exactly um, and we have that in yeah. our own city we've had minors end up in the yep. strip clubs and and they don't want to know their yep. age they don't want to look at any of the any of the, the details or documents and they say you look young you're going to make a lot of money here's your outfit yep. in the back yeah no mm -hmm. it's terrible i mean a girl's is it is there much work being done at a a level with girls to educate. <laughs> there, we're, we are trying. We actually got a, some funding to bring in somebody full time to do some public presentations and prevention right. curriculum. So we're in multiple schools in the yeah. community. I mean, we we looked at our, our clientele and, and we realized every single high school and most middle schools are affected and have a victim of trafficking. And now we're starting to see a lot of the traffickers get arrested. The the local law enforcement has made some changes and they're much more victim centered now. Okay. And so so now they're starting to arrest these these traffickers and we're starting to see the high schools they're coming out of and it's a real local problem yep yeah, yeah no, absolutely so yeah we're the schools are more open to us now <laughs> takes a crisis usually unfortunately mm -hmm. um yeah another thing that i love that you said was that you, you just don't want to have a safe house but you want a safe city yeah so yeah. that was a very early on we when we first started like i was saying in 2009 2010 we were looking at the models and what everybody's doing that we could find at the time and um Everybody had a safe house, and that was what they were telling us to do. And, and so we thought that's what we'll do. And, and coming from a systems solution 
presentation. We don't want to put a Band-Aid on this. Yeah. Uh, we want to look at the root in the system. And, and I really felt like it, we're a faith-based organization. So for me, I really experienced God saying, that's great for one safe house, but I don't want one house. Yeah. I want a whole safe city. Yeah. And so we really want to take away the systemic root problems to this. Yeah. Yeah. And how much does porn play an issue in Oh, I think it has a tremendous <laughs> undercurrent. It's sort yeah. of the invisible perpetrators is how I'm hearing it framed. And, and really, mm. I can identify that. Um, and it's similar to that experience, though, I was telling you about the, what happens to the brain of the sex buyer. You know, you get that then in a virtual reality or on the Internet. And, and the brain is wiring itself to believe yeah. that for real life. It cannot separate the two. And so it then wants to act that out and play it out. And so we're seeing with you know the years even just the years i've been working with victims of, of trafficking and coming out of the sex trade the the women that i'm talking to they're saying it's a whole new game now the level of violence is yeah. so much worse and yeah. the fear and they don't even feel safe on the streets of our community anymore yeah yeah and i, I attribute that to the exposure and the prevalence of of the hardcore porn yeah. no definitely mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Melissa. I uh, yeah. appreciate your time. It's been great to chat and great yeah. to know that people are doing awesome stuff in cities around the world. Thanks. I'm really excited to see what you guys are doing as well to, to really care for your community. It's, it's always encouraging to have that too. It's very important. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Bye. So we heard from Melissa the devastating effects that is happening on her state because they have legalised prostitution. Mm. Um, people probably aren't aware that um, in Australia not every state has legalised. Um, in fact, right now at this very moment, South Australia and the Northern Territory are fighting to legalise mm. or decriminalise it, as we call it, prostitution. Um, Queensland uh, legalised prostitution back in the early 2000s. Mm. So um, And so... What they tell us is by legalizing it, they're going to make the brothels really safe. Yeah. Uh, the girls are going to be looked after. Uh, so they sell that big argument. But as you heard from Melissa, it does the opposite. It yeah. brings in more drugs, um, more rape. Mm. Uh, and then it normalizes. What they're doing is normalizing an industry to where you have the, the pimps or the brothel owners as the high school teacher recruiting girls. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but <laughs> we've seen this in our own city, uh, there's mm. nothing to stop our local brothel turning up to t the Toowoomba um, Expo mm. to say, hey, girls, this is a great job. And Viable in fact, um, because mm. we um, know our brothel well and we have talked, uh, we've heard that there have been schoolgirls over 18 working in mm. our Toowoomba brothel. Mm. Mm. Um, and so these are the, it's just slowly normalizing um, this industry. So. May God help us. So that that was a brilliant interview, Tish. And as I said at the top end, you know, great to see such resonance between you and Melissa. Just on what you're saying, though, give us an action point. What what can our listeners do? Like it, this, this would have moved a lot of our listeners with what you've just said about Queensland and Northern Territory, mm. and and even like I'm sure it's a discussion point across all the states of Australia. Mm. What can we do? Well, something we've started um, in our city a few weeks ago was because our local newspaper our family newspaper advertises sex workers mm. <laughs> with you know their bust uh, which is objectifying girls but just normalizing you know and, and your little sons can read this mm. so and we started a petition um, and then we went and saw our editor of the newspaper who tells us that well it's not his responsibility as they all do mm. Mm. Um, and that you need to go see this person in Brisbane who will send you to Sydney who will send you to New York um, to, wow. to the Murdochs. <laughs> oh, okay. um, that's what he, you know. So uh, I did this with one of our local councillors, uh, mm. another female yep. um, who was passionate. So now we're looking at other avenues, trying to get a, 
um, appointment with our Minister for Women in Queensland mm. and have a talk to her. So, yeah, there's definitely, like, I think as long as we allow these things just to mm. continue, it normalises. Yeah. And even a petition, you think, what does that do? But how, again, people are like, hang on, yeah, this is not right. Yeah. We shouldn't allow it and engages. Um, so that's one area. That's um, good. Finding your voice and engaging with civic leadership and government, that's that's, mm. a, that's a great tip. And, and, you know, for people listening, you, you have a voice mm. and you can use it. Um, Absolutely. In the way that you've just described. So that's yep. brilliant. Well, um, we're three quarters of the way through these interviews. I hope you're still with us. These have been some pretty <laughs> intense conversations, uh, but some really important conversations. So thank you for listening. Mm. Don't forget to check out the website, www.movementday.com.au. And in particular, watch Tisha's talk from uh, from Movement Day 2019. It, it's a good use of 20 minutes or so just to watch that talk and be inspired. She was like ridiculously sick when she did it. That's why she's sitting down. <laughs> she was vomiting backstage beforehand. Oh, the hair's flat. That's the first <laughs> thing you notice. Not really. Um, but uh, no, really good. Worth listening to. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Tish. Thank you.